The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over he was famished. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give you their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours." And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for the faith that you have given your son, Jesus. Help us to receive that same faith and be good disciples for you. Amen. Last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. Today is the first Sunday in Lent, and we spend 40 days. And the text starts out today with Jesus in the desert spending 40 days wrestling with Satan's temptation or test. So what's the point of the three temptations? All three of them test whether Jesus is going to betray who he is, his identity, or misuse the power that he has been given for God. Oftentimes, if you're old enough to remember the old comedians, the devil made me do it. Well, that may not always be true, I doubt in the text today whether the devil would have suggested that Jesus turn stone into bread had Jesus not been hungry. So maybe the source of our temptations are our own legitimate, normal, natural desires. Like the desire for food, sexual intimacy, approval of others. Those don't have to be from the devil. 
those are normal things that we want in our life. So the question then, how is something that is normal, hunger, become sinful? The first temptation, taken from Deuteronomy 8.3 for the answer, Jesus was hungry and needed something to eat. So the temptation or the test was to say the word. He would do that a little later, feeding 5,000. So the temptation was to use his power to provide for himself. Like for the children's sermon, what's at the center of sin? But Jesus didn't choose to do that. He knew that his powers from God were given to be used for others, never for himself. He healed the sick. He opened the blind eyes. He raised the dead. But not for himself, for others. So what does that say about our spirit-filled life that we live? Do I seek my own advantage? Do I want things for myself that others cannot have? Do I use the powers that God has given me, physical or financial or mental or spiritual, for myself? Or do I use those things for the community? 1 Corinthians 14, that's the point Paul is making. Those gifts of the spirits are used for others. They are used in service of others. Jesus turned down that temptation. But Jesus also struggled. What does it mean when people need things? They certainly need bread and health and healing and life and comfort. Many of the ministries that we have today are based in Christian faith. Hospitals come from the need of taking care of people. The church is good at ministries. But yet, Jesus did not produce miracles on demand. In a way, when people demand something, it becomes another temptation to give them what they want. But the church is never just about a social ministry. The church is always about preaching and teaching, like Jesus did, who taught and preached and offended and angered and shocked his hearers. Jesus calls us into discipleship, and he doesn't sugarcoat it. Discipleship is costly. Jesus' temptations were costly.
Can we, the church, be faithful like Christ? The second temptation, doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. The answer is in Deuteronomy 6.13. Jesus was tempted to win the world by worshiping the devil. It's like the devil is saying, we don't have to be enemies. Let's work on this together. The devil was trying to convince Jesus that there was an easier way to save the world than by going to the cross. Reality is, the devil says, the world operates by my rules, so why not accept my rules and things will go well? If not, you're going to have to pay a high fee. If you give in a little, I'll give you the whole thing. Let's cooperate. Let's, why make it hard on yourself? But Jesus says, no deal. So will the church work in the spirit of Christ to the demands of the kingdom? Or will the church follow the ways of the world, policies and practices? Do we get caught up in a style of worship that everyone likes? Does the end justify the means? We look at our Christian church and we see that it has often fallen to distorted political ambition and the message of the people of God has been lost. So would Jesus pay for not following and worshiping the devil? Yes, he would. It would cost him his life. Was he ready to pay that cost? The answer is yes. The devil may have thought it was suicide. But for Jesus... It was being faithful to God, trusting in God's love, surrendering to the will of God in all ways. The words sanctification, being holy in all things. The final temptation. The pressure was to doubt God. The devil quotes scripture, Psalm 91 and Deuteronomy 6, 16. And the devil tempts Jesus to put God to the test. We've no testing in the Bible. Gideon laid a fleece before God twice. Once it would be dry and once it would be wet. 
But putting a fleece out is not a sign of faith. It's really a lack of faith. And for Jesus to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, to commit suicide, as the Satan says, would God protect him? We know that he says no to that. But we do it. Sometimes we get angry with God because God did not come and do the test that we had set up. Sometimes it runs like this. If my wife is healed of cancer, then I'll know God loves me. If my boy comes back safely from an overseas mission, then I'll know God is on my side. If I get the job I've been praying for, then I'll know that God cares about me. But what happens when the wife dies of cancer? What happens if the boy is killed overseas? What happens if the job that I've prayed for goes to someone else? Will I still love and serve God? Will I walk with God whether or not I get that job? Whether or not cancer is healed? Whether or not my loved one pulls through that life-threatening situation? Or do we put God to the test? If you do this, then you will be my God. If you do not do this, then I will have nothing to do with you. Jesus surrendered himself completely to God. Jesus faced the temptations for 40 days in the wilderness. But it did not stop there. Jesus faced those temptations every moment of his life all the way to the cross, all the way to resurrection. That's why Hebrews 5 is so important. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Was he saved from death? He was, but not until he tasted it and was given the grace gift of resurrection. Amen.